NFR Extra is a podcast dedicated to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons and personalities that embody the Western lifestyle. How big is the family going to end up being? I don't know. I used to say three or four, but now I'm saying mm-hmm. one or two. <laughs> yeah. Like in the WCRA events, when you get to pick your horses, I always try to pick the biggest horse that is is good, consistently good. Um, the little horses, they my legs are too long. I don't, my feet don't even hit their neck a lot of times. So <laughs> I've been very blessed to be able to surround myself with people like that. That have been to the top level and, and know how to get there and give me advice throughout the years. This is two-time world champion Paul Eves, and you are listening to NFR Extra. We've got a million reasons to talk to this guy, and he is one of the newest seven-digit cowboys in the world of pro rodeo, R.C. Landingham. How does it feel, my friend? I mean, that's the biggest question of all. Well, I finally have a little bit of money, so it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've made friends with a banker, I assume. Yeah, a few a few of them. <laughs> We're kind of getting it put away in different places and trying to be as safe as I can with it, but letting it make a little bit of money at the same time. So when you have a chance like that at a, at a million dollars in that Triple Crown event, is it, I mean, you have to think about it, right? It can't be something that you're just blocking out and, oh, I'm just thinking about one horse at a time. Like, you have to be thinking about it, right? Yeah, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. But luckily, I had 10 days in Vegas to think about, and I had a lot of other stuff going on. So it kind of kept me calm about going to ride for a million dollars. Even during the finals, I had a lot of guys asking about it, when it was, when we, when I was headed to Texas. and. I'm like, I'm still at the NFR. I still got stuff in here. I'll focus on that later. But uh, no, they. I handled the pressure pretty good until the day of. And then that was a rough day. It was the roughest <laughs> day I've ever been through, for sure. I think uh, talking about the NFR, I'm going to jump right into this one, man. But I don't know that you could have written a better story for you to win the round that you did on Tough Enough to Wear Pink. Yeah. So that what, was, what, what did that, I mean, that had to have been for, for you, for Ty, for the whole family, that had to have been just mind blowing. Talk, talk us for those that don't know, maybe kind of give us a little bit of background on that deal and, and why that was so important to you. Yeah. So uh, my mom passed away from ovarian cancer back in 2017. Um, tough enough where pink night, obviously cancer awareness. Um, and then the horse that I got on, was actually that was last year i got on top flight in that same round and that was the last horse that she ever got to see me get on uh the 10th round of 2016 that's the last horse she ever seen me get on so last year i got on uh top flight in the fifth round pink night ty made me the pink chaps has mom's name in it and then i got to get on that horse again last year uh and then this year i got on top notch 
another one of Colin Pickett's great horses and and uh to get to go around win on on the pink night was I don't know, it was pretty uh pretty amazing. Just to get around win and then to have it be on that night in particular was uh I don't know, words don't really describe it. It's uh it's kind of just a cool feeling to to kind of reconnect with with mom again after so many years of her being gone. Right. That's just a special night for for us uh a lot of people that like myself, Casey, a lot of us have lost family to cancer and to be able to have success on that like that was pretty special. Yeah. That's unreal, man. That was like, when you did that, I was like, man, that is mom has got to be smiling right now, man. That was, that was pretty special for, for those of us that know you. And I mean, just a stand up guy and just holy cow, that was, that was amazing to see. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think she's, uh, she's been riding with me quite a bit the last couple of months. So I give That's, a lot of credit, credit to her. That's awesome, man. And your little boy kind of has a little bit uh, of, of, of mom's legacy passed on to her grandson too, huh? Oh Just yeah. For, for names, namesake wise. Yeah. So, uh, his name's Win, and everybody always asks, so did you name him Win, like for winning rodeos? And I'm like, no, I'm actually, my mom's name is Wendy. She passed away. And then everybody's like, oh, I feel horrible for saying that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he kind of carries her name a little bit in a way. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. And he, is he two or how old is he now? Three? He's a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. Just enough to be climbing up on cabinets and opening drawers and following yeah. dad whenever he can. Oh yeah. He's getting into everything. He's turning into a little turd now, but uh, he's a lot of fun. Just changing every day. And uh, there's some things we wish he would start to do, but he's kind of making us be as patient as we can. So I guess it'll come when it comes. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. How are you changing diapers? I'm actually pretty good at it. It doesn't bother me too much. Okay. All right. Now, before you were changing diapers or competing at all these fantastic things, the triple crown, the national finals rodeo, I'm going to jump back because you have stats in both Oregon state high school rodeo and California state high school rodeo. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah, so I grew up in California, uh, high school rodeo through my sophomore year in California. And then after that, I moved to Pendleton, Oregon. And we lived there for about 10 years and uh, high school rodeo there for my junior and senior year. And then I went to college there and college rodeo there for a few years. And then I started pro rodeo. There's also a stat here about cutting horses. Yeah, I was involved with it for a while. It was... Uh, I get made fun of quite a bit from my high school days. My freshman and sophomore year were, were uh, I was in the cutting, but I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. And <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the actual cutters kind of made fun of me. So that not only that too, but um, I had an opportunity to watch you come through the high school ranks and as you know, the little, Hey, this kid's pretty handy at the, the new year's Eve bull ridings and stuff there in red bluff, but yeah, you were yeah. pretty, you, you kind of had a, a lot of potential for being a bull rider going on. So what was the transition from that to just go straight to bareback horses? Well, bull riding, I kind of, I didn't really, I don't think I stopped growing in height until I was like 22 or 23 years old. So learning how to ride bulls, I was a short little tiny kid. And then I would grow five inches and kind of have to learn it all over again, learn it all over again. So it, uh, it was kind of, I just got, kept learning how to do it over and over and over again. And, um, then I got hurt pretty bad at Houston one year and it just kind of took it out of me. I didn't really want to 
do it anymore. And I, and I started riding bareback horses a little bit better. I wasn't as good at it at the time, but, uh, those are the, I was going to do one of them no matter what. And once, once I, uh, got hurt in the Borad and I didn't really crave it anymore, then I just really started focusing on bareback riding and, and wanted to progress in that. Were there some guys that pushed you early on? Uh, I mean, you won the college finals and so you, you had success in high school and then obviously at the college level, but were there guys that pushed you and kind of kept raising that bar and, and making you set your expectations higher? Um, well, all through rodeo, my stepdad is, he, he gets all the credit for me even being involved with it really. Cause I probably wouldn't have rodeoed if I wouldn't have met him. So, uh, he, he's always kind of pushed me to, to rodeo and to be better at it and, and to work at it and, and all those things. Um, as far as other help I've had, I've been around top level competitors my entire life also because of him being friends with the Kelly Wardell and, and guys of that, like, uh, Clint Corey and mm-hmm. Larry, uh, and Sambic. I'm just Larry Sambic and, yeah. uh, just, I've been very blessed to be able to surround myself with people like that, that have been to the top level and, and know how to get there and give me advice throughout the years. Um, Kelly Wardell has been the, my biggest mentor by far. I've spent many days with him, like in between rodeos, swinging by his house, riding his bucking machine, getting some pointers from him here and there. And uh, he's been like a father figure to me for since I was 12 years old. So he's helped me a lot throughout my career. And uh, that's, that's been a huge blessing. Nice. You had, you had shoulder, uh, shoulder deal. Did you have shoulder surgery a couple of years back or just a, was it a shoulder or elbow or what were you dealing with a, a year? Or so was it year or two years ago? Yeah. So 2016, I went to the NFR for my first year. Then mom passed away in 17. And then I took about a month to break and decided to start rodeoing again. And the year was going fantastic. I was sitting first in the world uh, in 2017 and I had a horse fall down and dislocated my shoulder at a circuit rodeo in California. And I tried to rodeo off and on throughout the year. My shoulder kept dislocating, uh, slipped down to like 13th in the standings and had to start rodeoing towards the end of the year. And then was lucky enough to win enough to keep me in the top 15. So I made my second NFR that, that year in 2017. And then the NFR was terrible. I think I won one check in 10 days. And so I had a shoulder surgery, rotator cuff surgery in January of 2018. Nine months off, started rodeo in, in 19. And then uh, it never really felt 100%. It was just unstable, not real strong. And uh, I had to wear a big brace and it just didn't feel right. Didn't feel, I couldn't ride like I wanted to. And, uh, I rode about half of that season and I was sitting okay in the standings, like close, maybe top 20 or so. I can't remember. Uh, had a, got on a horse in central Oregon and dislocated again, took a couple of weeks off, went to a couple of rodeos over the 4th of July and dislocated it two more times. So that called it, called it a season, went home, got married, had uh, another shoulder surgery short, shortly after that. Took 
four months off. I was doing therapy out in Texas and uh, it didn't feel right, but I was planning on going to Houston that year. That was 2020. And I uh, went and got a checkup with Tandy Freeman because he did the second surgery and I had pushed it too hard in therapy and broke one of the screws off and broke the bone that they had moved and screwed into my shoulder to rebuild the socket and it didn't work. So I had to go back in and have another surgery. So I sat out all 2020 and then came back in February, 2021. And then I made the finals again last year or 2021 and last year. That's pretty impressive because a lot of, I mean, something like that really, that's kind of one of them game enders, you know? So what was the process of that? Obviously you had the last surgery worked well, but I mean, you, you look like the, the finals really showed, I think what top physical peak shape that you're in right now, but what kind of a rehabilitation physical and mental did you go through to get yourself back on top of the game? Yeah, it was uh, the first two surgeries. I didn't really think about it too much. I was like, uh, I mean, going into the second one. So the first one I was like, well, I'll have surgery, get it fixed. I've always been, I've been through a lot of injuries. So I'm like, get me in surgery, get it fixed. I'll come back. No big deal. The first one failed, came back to the second one that failed. Then I had to have the third one. Then it's kind of, you're married. You have potentially having a kid soon. Uh, there's a lot going on in your mind. Like, is this going to work? Is it worth the risk of doing it all over again? So it was hard to, to come back on the, after the third surgery, but my wife and I, we've been, I've been unemployed for, or out of competition anyways, for two years. And I had the surgery. I was feeling pretty good. And we had decided with, with her support that I needed to give it one more shot. Um, so I let it heal for quite a while this time, I think four or five, maybe six months. And then I started training with Doug champion. I did therapy here close to home for a couple months, just light therapy. And then I started training with Doug champion and we did just therapy for a couple months. And then as it started feeling stronger and, and, uh, and more stable, we started progressing and progressing and, and I still train with him three years later. And, and, uh, I have to make sure I stay up on top of it because even if I take a week off, I can feel it getting unstable again and losing strength pretty easily. So it's uh it was that was a big game changer. Starting to train with him and just changing my day-to-day -day routine was a huge game changer as far as uh my rodeo career goes. Let's take a quick pause and we'll be right back. Looking to rope in some news and features you can't find anywhere else? Then look no further than the series of blogs at nfrexperience.com. You'll find customized content from experts in all things rodeo and Las Vegas. There's the NFR Insider, NFR Traveling Partners, and One-on-One -on -one with Susan Canode. Hurley's Hotspots and Heart of the NFR with Brian Hurlbert. NFR Experience with Patrick Everson and the Junior World Finals with Jack Nowlin. There's something for all rodeo fans. Check it out at nfrexperience.com because legacies and memories are made in Vegas. I was just curious, what will your day-to-day uh, -day routine look like moving forward? Uh... 
Well, I'm not sure if you're referring to that million dollars or, <laughs> or what. But uh, no, I, like right now, it's we got still have cows at the ranch, so I'm I'm out feeding cows every morning and and uh, try to go to the gym every day throughout the week. Uh, we leave I leave tomorrow to head to Fort Worth, go to Fort Worth for the stock show there, and then uh, I'll have a week off after that, and then I'll come home and. I'll go back out for San Antonio and maybe Jackson, Mississippi, the American Houston. I'll be gone till hopefully till the short round Houston's over and then I'll come home and uh, we'll be back to moving cows around. We'll, we got to ship home uh, in April or May. So we'll, we'll brand cows down in the, in the valley in April and do some spring rodeos out here in California. And, and uh, just the same routine though, wake up, feed cows, go to the gym, Try to eat four times a day. Same stuff. I can't eat four times a day. Yeah. That's 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 just gonna make the dad bod bigger. But we're not on the same workout routine either. Uh yeah. so RC, my my biggest question, because as a rodeo announcer, I've always said he's a taller guy, that makes it different. And I'm not a tall guy, and I've never ridden bareback. So I'm assuming that being a tall bareback rider makes a big difference, but is it true? Are there different types of horses that you being a lankier guy, you would prefer to get on? Yeah, I try like in the WCRA events, when you get to pick your horses, I always try to pick the biggest horse that is, is good, consistently good. Um, the little horses, they, my legs are too long. I don't, my feet don't even hit their neck a lot of times. So, uh, it makes a big difference. And then like my upper body's longer also. So when a horse kicks, I get the brunt of it in the back of my neck where it kind of breaks me over. And, uh, where most guys it's going to hit them kind of in the head, which sounds worse, but it, it keeps their body more intact. In, in so I, there's a lot of differences, pros and cons to both sides of it, I would say, but, uh, I would, I used to say it's it's uh, even, it's the same for a tall guy as it is a short guy. But the older I get, and uh, physically, it's a definitely a disadvantage for a tall guy. <laughs> what uh, going forward on this deal? Are you? It's it's got to be hard not to look at, in my opinion, anyways. And I don't know anything, but an end game. You know, I mean, you've won a million dollars. You've got you had a pretty spectacular rehabilitation and comeback. You've qualified for the national final rodeo multiple times. Are we still feeling healthy enough to where that's not in the picture yet? Or are you kind of looking at maybe building boots and running cows? Uh, I've, I've thought about it a lot. Uh, and I'm not ready to be done yet, but um, I, I know it's coming sooner than later. So um, I hope for three, four more years, but I'm just kind of taking it one year at a time right now. And I still have a lot of goals that I haven't achieved. So uh, I'm still focused on being a world champion. And that's, that's the goal now is to go get those buckles that I haven't, haven't won yet. Um, there's a lot of other big rodeos that I still want to win as well. So uh, that's the, that's the main goal right now is uh, take care of my body, get on the horses that I can win on don't get on stuff that I don't have to. I've never, I've never financially been able to rodeo like I can now. So it's, uh, 
I'm going to be able to take care of myself a lot better than I have in the past. So uh, I think, I think I have the best opportunity I've ever had to win a world championship now. So that's the plan. That's gotta be a huge relief too. I mean, to, to have a opportunity to get that much money to where, like you said, now I don't have to go take a gamble on a horse. I don't really want to get on. Um, you're prolonging the longevity of a healthy body. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of making a concoction for, like you said, a real serious run at a world championship. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like, I remember when I was in my early twenties, I would go every single rodeo I could possibly go to just to get by, to try to win a check to pay my fees that week. And, and, uh, I've never had, I mean, the last four or five years, I've, I've been able to pick and choose a little bit and not have to get on everything. But, um, now I can go to the, enter the big rodeos. I don't have to enter all the little, little rodeos that you don't want to go to or that, you know, you'd rather spend a day at home with your family than have to go get on a horse for 300 bucks here or there. And so I can, I can eliminate a lot of things that I used to have to do and, and take care of myself and focus on the end, the end result. That's awesome. So, so I know you have the legacy around you, but are you talented with leather goods or is that kind of a work uh, in progress? Yeah, it's a work in progress for sure. Okay. I, I can do uh, some stuff. I mean, I've had a good mentor in that for, a long time. So, uh, for somebody that would just want to go step into doing a little bit of leather work, I can give a little advice on some things and I can build some stuff if I really wanted to. Um, I'm not huge into it. I'm not real artistic, but I can, I can do it fairly decent for the most part. And, uh, and as far as running cows and stuff, I'm, I imagine we live on a big big my in-laws have a big ranch up here in northern california so i'm sure we'll be involved with that for probably the rest of our lives so we i got a lot of things going on how big is the family gonna end up being uh i don't know i used to say three or four but now i'm saying Mm -hmm. one or two (laughs) (laughs) yeah Funny how that changes. Yeah. I want a big family. Two's plenty. Two's plenty. Yeah. yeah. I love puppies and kids until they get just a little yeah. bit older. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna have, we're gonna go for two for sure. And then we'll see yeah. after that. Nice. Can we give a plug for Ty Skyver and Skyver boots and leather? Or is that too soon? No, we can do whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, that's the thing is I think we just did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, just checking. <laughs> But uh, it's pretty cool too, is he, I mean, Ty is really broken on the scene as far as, you know, I mean, the guy's leather work is absolutely insane, but for, it's not just building shaps for you. I mean, if you're a rough stock guy and you want the best set of shaps going down the road, it seems like the top guys in the world all are sporting Skyver shaps. Yeah. I think uh, there were five of us at the NFR last year that had his shaps on and, and in the locker room, I think by the end of the week, I would say 12 out of the 15 bareback riders just in the, in the bareback riding we're wearing skyver boots as well so uh his leather work is unreal he can do stuff with a with the pencil and a and a uh, knife that i i mean it's just i don't know how you can get pictures put into leather like he right yeah yeah he's always always been really talented and now he's running the they got him and Darcy Sparrow have this business going and it's really taken off this last year. And, uh, he's really kind of turned it in his artwork into a business and it's, it's going really well for him. 
That's awesome. Yeah, very, very talented and impressive to see. I've got a Skyver belt, and I think that I'm going to try to hold on to that thing till it falls apart because yeah. I, might, I might not be able to get another one. Well, we bumped, we bumped into him. What did he, I, I was talking to him about a pair of chaps and he was like, do you need them at, at Vegas during December? And he goes, when do you need them by Reno? He was like, I mean, yeah. get, yeah. get in line. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty backed up with stuff, but uh, it's good. Business is always good. So absolutely, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. And then, so does your family get to travel with you much during rodeo time or just kind of pick and choose on that deal or. Yeah. Just kind of pick and choose They'll They'll fly out for some of the bigger rodeos throughout the year. Like they'll go out to the American and, and I'm back to back at the American in Houston. So they'll probably end up staying for that week. And, and then like, we'll go to Cheyenne or Pendleton or things like that throughout the year, the bigger rodeos where we stay in one place for a few days. So, uh, yeah, they, I try to get them out there anytime I can. And then I fly home a lot more now than I used to also. I understand that completely. So take, obviously you want to be a world champ, but what money, money aside, what rodeos do you have on your list that you're like, God, I got three to four years. I really want to check these off and say, Hey, this one's on my resume. Yeah. Well, Cheyenne and Houston are the main two. I've won second second and third at Cheyenne and I've won second and third at Houston so I really really like to get those uh but Fort Worth I haven't won Denver I haven't won but I didn't even enter Denver this year I was kind of sore after after all the hectic December run so uh I skipped that one but Fort Worth um San Antonio I would love to win that one Houston Cheyenne I got Pendleton Salinas the last couple of years. So, but I'd love to take another shot at those ones too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pendleton's that's a pretty cool rodeo. It's they, uh, they make the whole experience. It's kind of, I think it's, I think that one in Cheyenne are probably unlike most other rodeos as far as everything you go through when you win it and what the awards they give you. And it's, uh, they're very, the memorabilia, at both of those rodeos is kind of top notch. That's awesome. What's your favorite rodeo that you've won that's already on the checklist? Uh, Pendleton and Salinas. Yeah. Too so is, there a, is there a Pendleton corner, like where you have all your goodies? What, what's that? Is there a Pendleton corner? Yeah. Is there a Pendleton like corner of the house where you keep all the stuff that you want from there? Yeah, I, I kind of got it all in one corner in the <laughs> little. We got a little ro- trophy room over here, but uh, when once we get a place bought and i'm gonna have a nice uh trophy room set up and, and then hopefully we can do this again and i'll show everybody all the stuff in there but, <laughs> there you go that's yeah. awesome be the yeah. nfr nfr extra cribs edition that's yeah, right there you go. I, just, I just gotta get the crib first <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah oh so well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I, I can't wait to see you back at it. And there, there would be nothing cooler than watch you win a world championship and kind of put the, you know, the, the final legacy on top of that shelf for wearing that gold buckle. And I, you know, I can't imagine there's a bunch of great guys in the bareback world, but, uh, you're definitely inside, outside of the arena RC, you've been a champion. And, uh, I think definitely somebody for, for a lot of people, not just in the bareback side, but for a lot of people to look up to. So I'm very proud of you and for everything that you've done and, and, really excited to see what this next chap- chapter brings to you. Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate that. Thanks oh. for joining us, brother. Keep being who you are. Okay. Thank you guys. 
Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. Subscribe.